0: My name is Rosemary Carnahan, and I'm an elder on the board. Today's scripture reading is from the Good News according to Luke, chapter 9, beginning at verse 29. Listen for the Word of God. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on a mountain to pray. And while he was praying, The appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking with him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they'd stayed awake, they saw the glory of the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son. My chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent in those days and told no one of any of the things they had seen. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us pray. Lord, we have heard the good news, that you are the Prince of Peace, we pray that you would walk among us and still our conflict-ridden hearts, that you would touch us and bring us to life. In Jesus' name, amen. The story of the transfiguration. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, so that's why we read it. Jesus takes three of his closest disciples, the inner circle of Peter, James, and John, up a mountain to pray to commune with the Lord. And mountains are the prime place of prayer within the Bible due to their proximity to heaven and God. And the ancient Celts would have called them thin spaces where heaven and earth intersect where the divine divide between the spiritual and physical world become thin and permeable. So undoubtedly, they kind of, as they went up, they expected some mystical stuff to happen. But this trip really takes the cake in terms of mystical stuff. While Jesus is praying, we're told that his face changes. His face is transformed along with his clothes. His robe becomes a dazzling white Literally bright like lightning. And if you didn't think that that was wild enough, we're told that suddenly Moses and Elijah, two of the Old Testament central figures from long ago, appear with him. We're told that these two also, like Jesus, appear in glory. And all three, shimmering and sparkling, are just sitting there chatting it up on the top of the mountain. The topic of interest, though, the topic of interest for these three is Jesus' departure. Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Departure meaning his death, and Jerusalem meaning his crucifixion, his execution on the cross. I mean, poor Jesus, he gets to hang out with these, you know, elevated, long-lost biblical heroes, but all they want to talk about is how Jesus Is going to die. As disturbing as it may be, though, it makes plenty of sense because in the last chapter, eight days earlier, Jesus revealed to his disciples his identity as the Messiah, the divine figure sent by the Ancient of Days to set the world right. But then he threw them a curveball. He said, The Son of Man, meaning me, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now they might have expected Jesus to gather an army, to toss the Romans out, to get crowned king and unfurl a blood-soaked victory banner over the temple. This is kind of what they're hoping for. But Jesus says that the climax to his story will be sounded out in hammer and nails. Moses and Elijah here are just reinforcing what Jesus already told his disciples what was gonna happen, maybe because Jesus couldn't quite believe it himself. But there's no escape from the cross for Jesus. The cross for Jesus is unavoidable. Which makes the next part all the more ironic. Because avoiding the cross is exactly what Peter, James, and John want to do. Just as Mo- Moses and Elijah are ready to take off, Peter's like, Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, Jesus, just uh, hold on there a second. Like, we can stay here, you know. Up here on the mountain. We'll set up three tabernacles. One here, one there, one there. Three holy tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And we'll have a little weenie roast." We'll stick around as long as we possibly can. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Not there. Here. Now, why would Peter say that? Well, the main reason is this. Here, at the top of the mountain, is vastly preferable to down there. Here is preferable to there. Here is a holy place. Where holy stuff is happening, you get to hang out and pick the brains of a couple long, gone, glowing prophets, central figures in your religion. It's like being able to buzz the Dalai Lama for advice. It's good to be up here on the mountain because here is safety, here is security, here is joy. Here is bliss way up in the clouds, away from the world. And there, on the other hand, is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. There is arrest, there is humiliation, there is suffering, and there is pain. There is death on the cross at Calvary. So you can kind of understand Peter when he says, it's good to be here, (laughs) not there. Let's set up some tents. It's good to be here, not there. Now the truth is that this is our default spiritual mode. I like to call it the mode of escape. A friend of mine who grew up Pentecostal once told me he loved the absolute high octane energy of the worship services. They made him feel alive, but soon he realized that church didn't make him feel better for the rest of the week. He was mostly just putting up with his life and looking ahead to that high on Sunday. Again, it was an escape from his everyday life. If only you could set up a tent and freeze the clock on Sundays, because here up on the mountain is always better than there, life down below. And really, the pandemic, if it hasn't made this more prevalent, it's certainly deepened its mode of escape. Many, if not all of us, have certainly partaken in various modes of withdrawal in the last couple of years. We've utilized the conventional forms of artificial bliss. There's food, there's gaming, endless varieties of sex. Addiction really is the classic variety of withdrawal. I once heard a guy who'd spent decades kicking the habit say that heroin was like a warm blanket of love that would make every other bad feeling go away. An instant tabernacle on the mountain. If only you could set up shop up there and never leave. And thanks to technology, we've also been able to physically, physically retreat up the mountain away from other people. We don't have to make awkward conversations. We don't have to be in the same room as people who don't share our politics or might ask something of us. Well, technology has been a huge blessing for the church through COVID in so many ways. It's also allowed us to safely tabernacle ourselves away from the world and its inconveniences. Here, on the other side of the screen, it's safe, and it's enjoyable. It's edifying, even. I mean, maybe I could watch Moses and Elijah give a TED Talk, you know? How to stay up the mountain, five points. There, though, there, out there, the world out there, that's complicated, that's hard, it's painful, it's inconvenient. Our spiritual mode, default spiritual mode, is seeking sanctuary away from the trouble and pain, both our own and that of the world. It's so much better to be up here rather than there. It's so much better to be here than out there. Now, of course, Jesus and Co. leave the mountaintop eventually because for Jesus, staying here isn't an option. There, down the mountain, there on the ground is where he's got to be. It's where he's destined to be. There in the midst of human misery, sin, and shame. If you know that old Charlotte Diamond song, can't go under it. Can't go around it. Can't go over it. Got to go through it. To fulfill what he was put on in the earth to do, there's no turning away. Here is nice, but there, out there, is where his work is. The cross is inevitable. And it's the same way with us, too. Not that we're Jesus. I mean, we clearly are not Jesus. Otherwise, we would just act like Jesus acts. But that we can withdraw from the world as long as we want. We can avoid coming to grips with our lives and the world all we want by whatever means we prefer. We can run and we can hide. But sooner or later, withdrawal from life just isn't an option. Sickness, sadness, sadness. Death, injustice, loss, or even the jarring news of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, for example, has made that scary news of there bleed into here. We can't escape it. We want to cling to here, but there is ultimately inevitable. Now, the next logical step in the sermon is to tell y'all, tell you all to leave the mountaintop get down get out there that y'all just need to stop hiding here and head out there instead that we need to face our fears and once we do we'll build character and once we do our lives will be better and there's probably a lot of truth to this But it's not really good news. Go! Get out there! Good news, everybody! You can try harder now. And everybody says, Yay! Until Saturday, and then Sunday comes around, and you've completely forgotten. No, the point of this text isn't just to get us to leave the mountaintop. The point of this text isn't just about us so much as it is about God, as it's about Jesus. The point in this story isn't that we have to go down the mountain, but that God isn't confined to here, to the safe place, to the mountain. You know, as Peter's detailing his campsite blueprints, it says that a bright cloud overshadows them all. Clouds point to the presence of God, especially in the Old Testament. God's presence led the way for the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt by way of a cloud. So here God is directly in the mix, and God is bringing freedom. And as soon as the cloud touches down, they are terrified. The disciples hit the deck. It's kind of like when suddenly there is uh, a lot of fog. <laughs> You're like, you get a little shaken. Not only does God show up in the cloud, though, the cl- and through the cloud God speaks, get out your best Morgan Freeman voice, right? This is how I always imagine it. Or James Earl Jones, but I figured people might not know who that is anymore. And the voice says, this is my son, my chosen. This is my son. Listen to him. This is my son. Listen to him. And with that, the voice disappears, the cloud falls away, and all they're left with is Jesus, Jesus who, by the way, whose face is no longer shining, he's back to blue jeans and t-shirt. Though it wasn't in our reading, the next verse says that they went back down the mountain where the crowds awaited healing. Now the purpose of the cloud and the voice was to tell us that Jesus is the Messiah, the agent of God sent to set creation right, the one who accomplishes the salvation Of the cosmos. That the purpose of his work wasn't to bring Peter and Co. up on the mountain in heaven to escape the troubles of the world, but to bring heaven to the world by the power of his incarnation, his becoming human. That God isn't confined to heaven up here, but Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us out there. The glory of God isn't only to be found in beauty and joy and safety. But as the great Irish poet W.B. Yeats once said, love has pitched his mansion in the place of excrement. Or as the Gospel of John says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God moved into the neighborhood of our broken condition. The glory of God, though hidden, is to be found most profoundly in the cross. God's pitched his tent out there, down there, in the midst of the world's grief and shame, and will never leave. That is the purpose of this text. Not that we have to go down the mountain, but that Christ has brought the heaven to earth. The truth is, brothers and sisters, we are avoiders. It is true. Fearful people who will do what it takes to avoid discomfort Displeasure and pain, whatever form it comes. Like Peter, we'll find a nice spot to camp out and escape, whatever form that might take. And who can blame us, really? Here is vastly preferable to there. The bad news is, of course, that discomfort, pleasure, and pain, displeasure, and pain, they're all unavoidable. But the good news is even more so. That God is out there, beyond these walls, as much as God is in here, on the mountain, in the sanctuary of the Lord. The beauty of the gospel is that we have a God who has stooped down to the world in Jesus Christ. A God who has come down the mountain, bringing heaven with him. The good news is that in him, that whatever it is we fear out there, the heart of the universe has already gone there directly and overthrown the powers of sin and death and shining the bright light of his glory into all the places of darkness here, there, and everywhere. We can venture out there because in Christ, God has overcome the world. And because God is out there, we can stop building our tents to hide away from the world. We can quit ducking for cover in substances and purchases or all the other avoidances. And instead, we can start facing reality, getting back in the mix of life again. I mean, the group that's going to be praying with our soup kitchen clients for Lent this Wednesday is a small example of the kind of trust that Jesus can stoke the kind of work that we can do when we know God is out there with us. And I mean, this is what the church is all about. This text is a pattern for worship, coming here, up and away from the world in worship and joyful praise, but only so we can go back out there, being reminded that, like the old hymn says, love commands both heaven and earth. So we can go back out there to loving God and loving our neighbors, getting ourselves out there, invested in the world God loves, and gave his own son to save. Because God is with us, we can make our way down the mountain, get out there in the world again. And it's there where we will discover eternal life. Life in the full. Though it's good to be here with Christ, It's just as good to be out there. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the divine Son, God's chosen. May you listen to him. May you hear his promise. And by it, may you be transfigured. Amen. Please remain standing and joining me in affirming the faith of the Church Universal by reciting together the ancient Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.